Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. He gets so crazy at times. It sounds like... You yell back at your radio. What are you talking about? What the hell? He gets so angry. You tweet to try and calm him down. Now, he gets an hour all to himself. It's Sparky's Midday Madness on the fan with Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Presented by the Milwaukee Admirals. Visit them at milwaukeeadmirals.com. Welcome in. It is Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Get your playoff tickets soon at milwaukeeadmirals.com. Broadcasting live from the Lakeland University Studios, offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Steve Sparky, Fiverr with you. Other side of the glass, A.R. Adam Roberts, executive producer of this fine show as well. Rami Makhlouf with a day off today as he's doing a show on the score this evening, I believe, down in Chicago. So Toby Altizer will be in for Rami Makhlouf coming up uh, today at 3 o'clock. We have Debo Samuel stuff uh, to get involved in here. Uh, and a couple of different things uh, to talk about here involving Debo Samuel. Uh Two different things. One, do I have to play this in order? Do I play Rappaport on NFL Network first or Rappaport on Pat McAfee first? I would do the NFL Network first. Okay. So here's in Rappaport on NFL Network. This just happened a little while ago. uh, Talking about Debo Samuel and trade value that he may have as we get closer to the draft on Thursday. And remember, uh, draft show on Thursday with Gary and myself, presented to you by Q Club of Wisconsin. Friday, that starts from at 6 o'clock, goes 6 to 11 Thursday night. And then Friday night, uh, from 6 until the time the Brewers game is over, Bart Winkler and Toby Altiz are also presented to you by Q Club of Wisconsin, as they'll do rounds 2 and 3. So lots of draft coverage Thursday and Friday night here on uh, The Fan. Uh, and Debo Samuel very well may, may get traded on draft night. We'll have to wait and see. This is what Ian Rappaport had to say earlier today on NFL Network. I've examined the tape, and I think what a lot of evaluators, especially top evaluators like me, are doing this time of year is they, they dig into the tape. So I've looked at the tape. Feels to me like Debo Samuel is doing this, like, hey, I'm trying to have a good time. Could you please stop filming me in a club? That's what it feels like more than anything. But let's get to what's actually happening here. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers have their pre-draft press conference uh, pretty soon. I would be curious to see what they end up saying. I know there are several teams interested in Debo Samuel. And, you know, Tom, we, we've talked about them from Jets to Lions. We'll see if the Packers have interest. There's going to be several teams who are interested in trading for him and giving roughly the value of maybe the 13th overall pick. That's what the other top receivers were traded for. And then a new contract. Better question is, do the 49ers actually do it? So value of the 13th overall pick, he said, right? So now it's going to be a combination of picks to get whatever that value is. Well, 22 uh, obviously is not 13, but 22 and say a third, right? Or a fourth, something like that. Would that then be that value that you would need? Um, 22 and a second. See, that's to me, that's what I kind of think it's going to be. They did this whole exercise last week uh, in The Athletic putting out trade scenarios uh, from each team that would be interested in Debo Samuel. And the trade scenario they put out for the Packers was a first and a second, right? So maybe it's the Raiders first and second you got for Devontae Adams. You turn around 
uh, and trade that to get Debo Samuel. And then, obviously, you have to be willing to pay him whatever it is that he wants. You also have to find out whether or not he is uh, all in and a wide receiver and not wanting to play running back. I think that is a huge question. If I'm, you know, whoever it may be uh, trying to trade for him, because Dallas has been mentioned, Colts have been mentioned, Green Bay's been mentioned. Um, I haven't heard Atlanta be mentioned yet. Um, so maybe Atlanta's not involved because they're in a rebuild right now. But there's going to be, you know, four or five teams uh, that are going to be interested. The Jets obviously are a team uh, with his former coaches uh, over there in New York uh, and not being in the same conference as the Niners. That would make a lot of sense. They've got multiple picks in the top half of the draft. I think they make the most sense as far as the guys that have the most ammo. The question, though, is would Debo want to go play with Zach Wilson? How much faith does he have in Zach Wilson? Or does Debo Samuel want to go play with a proven quarterback that's done something and you know wants to chase a ring? Or is it really just all about the money uh, at the end of the day? Okay, so that was on NFL Network. Then... Uh, Pat McAfee was also on, uh, Pat McAfee had Ian Rapport on his show as well. And I got to say, I, I'm very curious about that whole relationship too, because he kind of went at Rapport on the whole contract extension for Rogers and the numbers and everything else, just kind of putting him on blast out there. Um, so that, that, that'll, maybe they're paying Rapport to come on every week or whatever the case may be. And that's why I, I just... Find that very curious. Either way. Uh, so here's Pat McAfee, Ian Rappaport, talking about Debo Samuel and the Packers. The teams who you mentioned, like, is another team going to potentially pop in and steal him, or is it probably down to, like, these handful of teams we already know? Um, I, that's basically what I've been doing the last couple of days, just trying to figure out, like, who's going to be in the mix that I don't know about. Um, I feel pretty confident in those teams that I mentioned. And for the Packers, like, yes, they do value their picks. Um the Devonta Adams situation was special, though, because he wanted to be somewhere else. And so, like, usually they wouldn't have done that. He wanted to be somewhere else. They traded him for a lot of picks, so it's almost like they have free picks now, right? And, like, at some point, the value of the player is greater than the picks, even though you have to pay him, which they were willing to do for Devonta Adams also. Like, they, they wanted to. So, to me, like, I don't know if the Packers are going to do it but I would expect them to explore and be in the mix. Um, and they should because, like, and I don't know, maybe you could ask your guest on Thursday night um, oh, who got you in trouble with oh, the Danish oh, news station. Uh, would he really like a dynamic receiver who can change the game and is really young? Like, he might. So, Rappaport mentioning or bringing up Rodgers, who's going to be with McAfee on draft night, uh, the draft spectacular or whatever the heck McAfee is calling. And so, Rodgers will be there. So, if they take a quarterback in the first round, um, that will be must-see uh, and, and must-listen to. That will be amazing if you know they take Pickett or something. They won't, but if they were, that would be amazing. And if they take a wide receiver in the first round or they trade up, I mean, that's going to be the other thing. Like, What's the reaction going to be if they trade up and take a defensive lineman? What's the reaction going to be if they trade up and take an edge rusher and it's not a wide receiver that they, they, draft, uh, they trade up and draft? Uh, what if when the first round is done, they don't have a wide receiver? How's he going to react? I think it's great for McAfee, right? Because people are going to want to see what Rodgers has to say. I think it's bad for Rodgers, to be honest. Like, I don't think I would want to put myself in that position to possibly look mad or look disappointed or be taken uh, in a way that's not going to be positive um, from the media. Like, I, you work to get this bridge that seemingly was burned almost. Uh, rebuild. Everybody's on the same page, it seems, and everybody is is trying to aim for the Super Bowl now that you got this three year deal worth a ton of money. Um, so why not just avoid the drama and not be a part of it? Like, no, I'm good. I'm just gonna watch it at home and chill with the, the bala, some brown stuff or whatever, and relax. Like, I'm not not doing media. Sorry. Like that that would make sense. Now again, we don't know if they pay Rogers or what that whole deal is or however the whole thing works out. But I just. They draft a wide receiver, it's all good because he's going to have a great reaction, I'm sure. Oh, all right, I get a wide receiver, new teammate, whatever. He's happy, fine. But if they don't and stuff goes sideways, then what? If they trade for Debo Samuel on draft night and they get him, oh, then, yeah, home run all the way. You're going to get that natural reaction before anybody else in the media does, uh, and that's going to be a great deal without question. I just worry, as I always do, about that that negative reaction that comes along with it. Now, on Twitter, 
Nick Wagner, uh, if you follow him on Twitter, you probably don't. Uh, ESPN NFL uh, reporter has been following this whole Niners thing. Um, and he John Lynch uh, is talking right now. John Lynch on wide receiver Debo Samuels. I don't want to talk about that much because I don't think it's productive. There's a sanctity to those conversations remaining private. John Lynch on potentially trading Debo Samuel. I can't ever imagine wanting to move on from Debo. Okay. Now, John Lynch, smart. Smart guy. Former players, dealt with the media, was in TV. Knows how the whole thing works. Because the why you phrased it the way he did, I can't ever imagine wanting to move on from Debo, is simple. Because now if you move on from Debo Samuel, you're simply going to say, hey, we didn't want to trade him, but he refused to play here. He doesn't want to be here anymore. Done. That's all it is. So from that perspective, he's got his out. Debo didn't want to play here. Sorry, Niners fans. Sorry, everybody. But he wanted out. I didn't want to move him, but he forced our hand, so we had to move him. That's kind of how that whole thing is going to go. Now, the one good thing for John Lynch, something that the Packers did not take advantage of, is when Aaron Rodgers and all that drama started, the Packers didn't just open up the phone lines and go, okay, highest bidder gets them. They bent over backwards to try and fix the relationship because they didn't want to move on. We'll see how much the Niners truly want Debo Samuel. Do they want him enough to try and fix this and get it right over the summertime and not trade him and deal with an unhappy Debo Samuel and try and get him back in your good graces? Or is it, hmm, I don't want this headache all offseason like they had with Rodgers in Green Bay. I don't really want to deal with this going forward. There's a plenty of wide receivers in this draft. We can get a couple of draft picks, add a couple of good wide receivers. Uh, we'll be able to recover and be okay. That really is the decision for all of these teams that have unhappy guys. And apparently they're all represented by the same dude. So A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin. You know, these guys who are kind of pushing chips in of being unhappy, and now what are, do the teams do? Uh, Nick Wagner also says, understand the suggestions the 49ers should just take a wide receiver with a top pick gained uh, if, uh, uh, still a big if, they trade Debo. But pigeonholing into a position is almost never a good idea in a draft. Value has to meet the need. One more reason doing a deal this late wouldn't be ideal. Of course, there are always alternatives uh, to make the value uh, met or value meet need for instance, acquiring a relatively high one and then moving down, but would be short-sighted to just move on to a rookie wide receiver hoping he can replace Debo. Spoiler, he can't. Also don't have to be the same style, or doesn't have to be the same style. This is the same type of stuff that we've been talking about, which is reaching for a wide receiver just to say you took a wide receiver to replace Devontae Adams. And these guys are going to have to deal with this as far as the pressure that comes with it. Said it then, I'll say it now. I would not take a wide receiver in the first round unless a stud falls to you. Right? If Olave falls to you, fine. Because he shouldn't be there. So if some stud wide receiver that, that shouldn't be there falls to you and Rodgers loves him, go ahead. But if the top four or five guys are off the board, then you're not infatuated with anybody else thinking he's a can't-miss guy then just go with best available player and move forward. Like, I just think this is setting up to be a, a complete mess if you do that, and then if you're wrong. As is, we say it's a crapshoot. All right, so with all of this being said, uh, with Debo Samuel and the Niners and what's going on at wide receiver, and now, again, Ian Rapport sticking with this whole the Packers should be interested, they should be one of the teams, and so forth. I, I I really am interested in something. Would you rather the Packers trade for a veteran wide receiver and give up picks, or would you rather go with a couple of rookie wide receivers this year? Nice and simple question. Would you rather the Packers trade picks and get a veteran wideout, or save the picks and use them on a couple of wide receivers in this draft? Which way do you want to see the Packers go? Leroy, earlier on the big show, all about trading the picks get you the veteran wide receiver, or get you the veteran offensive lineman. Leroy, not interested in draft picks. What about you? Which way do you want to go? Trade the picks for a veteran wideout, or save the picks and use them on draft picks and rookie-type deals without having to pay a bunch of money to wide receivers. But, but, 
each of those wide receivers you draft are going to be a question mark, and you will not have an answer to that question mark for probably two or three years, more than likely, as far as how good they're going to be. Remember, we were ready, or at least I was, ready to give up on Devontae Adams a couple years into his career. I was done. Like, oh, this is James Jones all over again. Like, I, We know what this story is. We've seen this story. Never in my wildest dreams that I think he'd be who he was. They can't have that in the first two years. Like, whoever they take, now Devontae wasn't the number one pick either, but whoever they take in the first or second round, they've got to come in and play now if you're not going to trade for a veteran wide receiver. they got to play now. They're not going to get a two-year window from everybody going, oh, he'll figure it out. He'll figure it out. Give him time. Give him time. Because Rodgers is not going to give him time. The, the goal is, as Leroy pointed out, to win Super Bowls now, next year, and the year after. That's your window. And then after that, the rebuild begins. So which way do you want to go? 414-799-1250. 414-799-1250. Tweet us at 1250 AM. The fan Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. The teams who you mentioned, like, is another team going to potentially pop in and steal him, or is it probably down to, like, these handful of teams we already know? Um, I, that's basically what I've been doing the last couple of days, just trying to figure out, like, who's going to be in the mix that I don't know about. Um, I feel pretty confident in those teams that I mentioned. And for the Packers, like, yes, they do value their picks. Um, the Devonta Adams situation was special, though, because he wanted to be somewhere else. And so, like, usually they wouldn't have done that. He wanted to be somewhere else. They trade him for a lot of picks, so it's almost like they have free picks now, right? And, like, at some point, the value of the player is greater than the picks, even though you have to pay him which they were willing to do for Devonta Adams also, like they, they wanted to. So to me, like, I don't know if the Packers are going to do it, but I would expect them to explore and be in the mix. Um, and they should because, like, and I don't know, maybe you could ask your guest on Thursday night um, oh, who got you in trouble with oh, the Danish oh, news station. Uh, would he really like a dynamic receiver who can change the game and is really young? Like, he might. So that's Ian Rappaport on the Pat McAfee Show. Rappaport now tweeting out uh, from the press conference with John Lynch, uh, talking more about Debo Samuel, because give it to the reporters, they're not letting this thing go as far as Debo Samuel uh, not wanting to be in San Francisco. Uh, He said, quote, I can't envision a scenario where we would move on. He's just too good of a player. Uh, And again, just realize that this is draft week. You are not under any circumstances, going to come out at this point if you are John Lynch and say, yeah, open for business, let's go, I'm moving him. I mean, I guess you could. But then at that point, you lose leverage as far as what you're getting offered. Right? If everybody's like, okay, they're definitely got to trade him. Debo's unhappy. I'm done. Uh, We got to move him. Now, if Debo wants to press the issue and get himself traded, uh, or DK Metcalf or uh, A.J. Brown or Terry McLaurin, then they need to go do an interview somewhere and tell everybody that they don't want to play for that team anymore. They want to go. They want out. If you want to put pressure on your organization, on your football team, to trade you, then Debo Samuel, you need to go do one of these TV shows or radio shows and tell everybody you're done. 49er fan base, I'm sorry, but I got to move on. It's time to go. My time here has been great, uh, but I, I need a change of scenery uh, and go in a different direction. Go do that. Put it out there publicly that you're done with the Niners. Then that will really help to increase the chances of you getting traded. Rodgers never really did it. I mean, that was a thing. Like, it was coming from everybody but Rodgers. Rodgers just kind of stayed quiet and didn't get in the mix on anything until training camp. Stayed out of the whole thing. But if you really want to put pressure on him, now's your time. If I was his agent, and the agent for these other guys, Brown and Terry McLaurin, I believe they're all the same guy, I'd be like, hey, let's line up some radio interviews. Tell everybody you don't want to be there. That's the way you're going to get traded. Simple. Because at that point then, then the fan base is like, to hell with them. Then get rid of them. I don't want them here. You don't want to be here? There's the door. If I'm a Niner fan, that's what I'm saying. As soon as I hear him say it, publicly and on the record, you're gone. That's what happened to Julio Jones, remember? That whole thing, who was he talking to? Was it Sharp and Shannon Sharp and Julio didn't know, apparently, didn't know that he was on TV when he said he wanted to get the hell out of Atlanta? That's what. That was it. And Atlanta said, sounds good. It went public. 
everybody heard you say it. You're done. Goodbye. I'm out of here. And that's it. I'm out of here. And that was it. Julio Jones got traded immediately. So these dudes really don't want to be with the teams they're with. If that's truly the case, then they need to get their butts out there in front doing interviews and tell the world they don't want to be there. And then they'll get them their way and force themselves out. But if they're all going to stay quiet and not going to say anything, I think the chances are that they end up staying with those teams and those teams are going to try and wait them out. Because they're going to say, eh, I don't think he really is wants out as badly as the agent says. I think this is all agent stuff. Th- that would be my guess. Uh, okay, uh, baseball season now in full gear. The basketball playoffs are underway, and the place to catch all the action while playing your own indoor games is Q Club of Wisconsin. Plenty of TVs to watch the games. I want you to play your favorite indoor games in their huge entertainment game room. Some down some awesome food from loaded burgers, wraps, wings, plus their Wednesday and Friday fish fries piled with all the extras. Visit their Facebook page or Q Club of WI.com for menu and weekend live entertainment updates. Q Club of Wisconsin, North Grandview Boulevard in Waukesha. AR has something up on my screen that says a couple of tweets. What do you have, AR? We got a couple of tweets on this topic, uh, including from D. Rich, who tweets at 1250 AM The Fan. Draft a couple of wide receivers and save that money to make sure we can extend Jair, Gary, Elton Jenkins, etc. It's not ideal. But I'd much rather keep those three and spend three to four day one or two draft picks over the next two to three years on wide receivers rather than risk losing any of those three elite players. This is the thing. We all need to understand this. Um, And Leroy didn't like this idea before when I brought it up to him about a month ago or whatever it was. You seriously need to have 12 involved in this process. And he should have been involved in the process. Now, you can send film over via uh, laptops that these guys all have and send film over and be like, here, here are the top five or six guys we got in the first round. Watch some of their tape. Tell us what you think. Which ones do you like better than others? Whatever. How do you see some of these guys being used? If you could have two of these guys in the first round, what two guys would you want? Maybe one complements the other really well, and those would be the two guys that that you'd want. that, That is something he should be involved in. Because he's going to be playing with them for three of the five years they're in Green Bay, assuming their fifth-year option, you know, is is there, which it should be. That's that's what we're talking about. You go draft some guy that is not going to mesh with Rodgers, or Rodgers doesn't like how he looks on tape, or whatever the case may be. It's going to be a disaster. So he should be part of the process. I tend to lead more with Leroy. I'm getting the veteran that I know who he is. I know how good he's been in the National Football League. I know what the finished product looks like, and I know how to put him in my offense. Drafting a rookie wide receiver, you don't know what the finished product's going to look like. You don't know what his work ethic is. You don't know how he's going to adapt to playing in the NFL and playing with the pressure that comes along with it. You don't know any of that stuff. It's a complete guessing game at that point of who he's going to be at the next level. You can do all the research you want. You can talk to all the different people that you want. You can talk to his college coaches. You can talk to his high school coaches. You can talk to family members and friends, and they're all going to vouch for him and all say the right things. But until the person is in the building and you have him and you see what he truly is, you do not know. When the Bucs drafted Giannis, they saw upside, right? Upside, I believe Billy McKinney said uh, upside was, you know, maybe a poor man's Kevin Durant or something like that. Well, he's he's superseded that. But when they saw him, they saw flashes of what he could be. But they also had to do their research on who is the dude. Like, what motivates him? What drives him? What's he all about? The person. And then how does he fit? Because he's never been in the U.S. How is he going to fit into what we want to do culturally? How is he going to fit with you know, whoever it may be going forward. That, to me, is the biggest thing about the draft. You can tell me all you want about how great a player is on film, and that's wonderful. And you can watch Ohio State play football and be like, I like that wide receiver, I like that wide receiver, I like either one of them. I watch him play against Wisconsin or watch him play against Michigan. But we don't know the guy. We do the draft show on Thursday night, me and Gary – Right? It's going to be a lot of, uh, our lad says this, our guy Jacob Morley and his draft guide, he's going to come on and tell us this and so forth. But at the end, none of us 
really know the guy and how he's going to fit in. No clue. We were just looking up earlier in the show in a break, uh, Tyreek Hill. And I was reading a, a scouting profile on Tyreek Hill, who now is a Dolphin. But at that point, um, blazing speed, the whole deal. But there was a domestic violence thing hanging over his head going into the draft. And the one scouting thing that I read was, uh, very well may go undrafted because of this. Then John Dorsey, who was the general manager of the Kansas City Chiefs at the time, the former Packer executive, said, deal with it, I'm drafting him. He didn't draft him at the end of the draft. He drafted him in the fifth round. He drafted him two picks after the Packers took Trevor Davis. Can you imagine the Packers with Tyreek Hill instead of Trevor Davis? Now, that was never going to happen. Packer way, all that stuff. There was no way they were taking Tyreek Hill, obviously. But he fell because of off-the-field stuff. He didn't fall because of people thinking what he would be like on the field, but they didn't trust him off the field, and they didn't know everything that they had heard or whatever the case may be is the reason why he fell. And one general manager said, yeah, but I think he's fine. I think he'll figure it out. It'll be all right. And I I want the the on-the-field player. We'll figure out how to get him straightened out off the field, and we're going to go. And they went. And it was a home run pick. Guy was an absolute stud, instrumental in getting Patrick Mahomes and that team to a Super Bowl and winning a Super Bowl. And then more issues arose, uh, and now Tyreek Hill is gone. Because Tyreek Hill wanted Devontae Adams-type money or whatever. And they netted a bunch of draft picks for a fifth-round draft pick. Fifth round. Well, first-round draft pick or second-round draft pick, fifth-round draft pick, a day-three draft pick, when many of you will not even be watching the draft on Saturday, right? I mean, think about it. Thursday night, we're all going to watch. You'll probably be listening to the fans, listening to me, Gary, do our draft show. Friday night, some of you will will continue to watch and have Bart and Toby on the fan. Uh, watching the draft on one TV, Brewers on the other, and then be able to uh, talk to Bart and Toby and then Tim on the postgame show after. But Saturday comes, and Saturday's long, right? I mean, it's really long. We were talking four rounds of the NFL draft. It's really long. And you're going to have something to do with the family. You and your buddies are going to be in a disc golf or something, who knows. But there's going to be stuff going on, and you're not going to sit there, not all of you, some of you will, but not a lot of you will sit there for hours on end watching this. Now, again, when I was growing up, being cold and lonely and all that stuff, I watched every minute of every draft all the time, and guys like Tim Allen, who had lives back then, had a kid and the whole deal, would call me and be like, all right, what do the Cowboys do this round? Hey, what Cowboys do this round? Hey, do you like this for the Cowboys? You like just like this for the Cowboys? And we would always talk. Now, I don't have that guy anymore. Like he had me, I don't have that guy for me necessarily. Toby Altizer is really good, though. It's really good when it comes to the draft. So he'll be really good with Bart uh, coming up on Friday night. But there's just not going to be as many people watching. And that is when the Packers specifically hit, man. We talked about that ESPN piece last week, me and Gary, about they are absolutely double, uh, double as good as New England as far as their day three draft picks dating back to their being a day three, 2012, I think it was. Doubled the amount of success that the Patriots had, and they were in second. That's the time when Packer fans should be really excited. Like, all right, this is our time. This is where we shine. This is where we get our this is where we make our team. That's not what happens. So, to Leroy's point of, well, you know, we don't want 11 picks. Well, okay. But if you don't have 11 picks and you say you have five picks and say a majority of them are first, second, and third, and I think in a perfect world that's what Leroy would want, would be first, second, and third. Don't worry about the second half of the draft. The Packers have been really good in the second half of the draft. More picks, the better at the end of the day. I believe that regardless, but especially with the salary cap issues that they have to go in and say, let's get as many players that we can have under contract for you know four or five years at cheap rookie contracts to help us fill out the roster. Think about it. If they hit on five or six guys in a draft, which is you know, amazing if that were to happen, that can be contributors to this roster for several years to come, that's a lot of money you can save when you're paying Elton Jenkins, when you're paying Jair Alexander, and you're paying all of these guys this ridiculous amounts of money to kind of keep you out of salary cap hell where an Aaron Rodgers is going to be making a ton of money uh, going forward. 
all stuff to consider. Uh, all right, Eric Name of The Athletic joined us earlier in the show, uh, earlier in the big show, I should say. We'll hear from him and his take on this Bucks bulls series, his take on Grayson Allen and so forth. That's all coming up next here. Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals. Sparky's Midday Madness presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals, playoff-bound Milwaukee Admirals. Take your information, milwaukeeadmirals.com. MilwaukeeAdmirals.com. Coming up tomorrow on the big show, John Heyman, first hour of the show, 1035. Tim Dillard, former Brewers pitcher, co-host with Adam and Kelvin and Brad Ford on Brewers Unfiltered. He'll join us at 1235 Tuesdays going forward through the rest of the season on the Wendy's Big Show. So looking forward to talking to Tim uh, tomorrow. And again, thanks to Sidney Moncrief and Eric Name for joining us uh, on the Wendy's Big Show. If you missed any of that, just hit rewind on your Odyssey app or simply go to BigShowNetwork.com. That's BigShowNetwork.com. Uh, again, Toby Altizer filling in for Rami Makhlouf today, coming up from 3 until 6. Brian Gutenkunst uh, getting ready to talk in Green Bay for his pre-draft press conference. Toby Altizer will have that for you coming up on his show uh, at 3 o'clock as well. Here is uh, Eric Name from The Athletic uh, earlier. Follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore name. And we started talking about Grayson Allen and the fact that, look, you started hitting that 3. That allows you then to be able to kind of create space a place for yourself by getting to the rim as they have to respect your outside shot and how big of a deal that really was for Grayson Allen the last couple of days. Yeah. When you look at kind of what they did over the weekend, it was uh, no one really worried about uh, unassisted baskets and how to create those because Giannis was doing his thing. I thought, you know, we've talked a lot about Grayson Allen. I thought with Middleton going out, there was going to be more pressure on Giannis, more pressure on Drew and, and I think often in those moments, it's, okay, how can I score the point? How can I take over the game? And, and I just thought this weekend, two incredibly selfless performances, selfless and dominant performances from Giannis. Giannis had that game on Friday and that game on Sunday in the palm of his hand. He did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted. He manipulated both defenders. He brought them in on a double team. And then it was either a pass to Grayson Allen or a pass to Bobby Portis, or a pass to Grayson Allen that led to a pass to Bobby Portis that led to a pass to Javon Carter that led to a pass back to Grayson Allen for a three. Like It was all of these moments where Giannis made the right play in the right moment and, and realized just how much he can dominate a game without necessarily dunking on every possession, without necessarily scoring on every possession. Uh, I just thought it, it was it was kind of incredible to watch, and obviously Grayson Allen was one of the major benefactors of Giannis dominating in a selfless way because he just kept getting open shots and kept getting open threes. Uh, Eric, also, uh, if you can – what was the difference in those game one and two in Milwaukee and game three and four – are in Chicago other than Grayson and other than the turnovers? Yeah, I mean, everybody on the team kind of shouted me down this weekend when I brought it up. But to me, the difference is they got smacked. Like, they got smacked in game two. And and that woke them up. And that made them realize, like, okay, you know, we got to go out there and win this game. We got to go out there and execute. Like, you're not just going to beat the Bulls by rolling it out there. And you know, to be fair, in game one, they just rolled it out. They played like garbage, and they won. So can I necessarily blame them for thinking they could do it again in game two? I guess not. That's human nature. You know, if if I can win by not playing that hard and not being that focused, I, I guess I would, I would try to do that. But uh, they lost in game two. And then I thought from there it was on top of it, you know, you have the Middleton injury, and then it's, okay, we really got to lock in and we really got to play. And to me, that's the difference in games three and four. And Mike Boonholder was very offended after the game when I, I mentioned that in the post-game press conference. Like, hey, you know, it seemed like you guys got a wake-up call losing game two. And, you know, he reminded me, no, they played very hard in, in game one and two. And, you know, they gave it their all and they were very focused and all this stuff. And, I mean, you can say that, but I just don't think what we saw on the court reflected that. And, you know, I mentioned the same thing to Giannis after game four when we finally got to talk to him because we didn't get to talk to him after game three. Like, you know, did it feel like you guys need to lose a game to, you know, bring that focus and bring that sense of urgency? And, you know, he, he very quickly said, no, 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 we don't need that. And and that's fine. But then he went on to say, like, but sometimes when you do lose, 
and you do face adversity, it does sharpen you up and it does bring up your focus. So to me, it, again, I don't want to try to simplify this too much, but they got smacked in game two. They lost the game. And that, to me, brought back all of their competitive juices that brought back their focus that brought back all of the, the things that you need in a postseason run. It brought those back for game three and four, and it showed they're just a better team than this bulls team. That, that was a fact before the series. And it'll be a fact whenever this series ends, probably in five games, they are better than the bulls, but they needed to get beat in game two to remind themselves that, oh, we actually got to play. This is the NBA playoffs. If you mess around with this game, if you play with your food, that food will come back and bite you. I, I'm, uh, Eric, it's Leroy Butler. I'm just confused by this needing to get beat. I, I just I, I just never even heard of that. But I'm going to stick with it, though, because I understand that. But who does this big rest these next two days benefit between these two teams? Because you think about one team, and I'll say this, Bucks fans, they were saying this gentleman sweeps stuff, and are you going to sweep? Chicago too, so maybe they had to learn to take people serious. Me and Gary try to tell people that every day, games you can get beat in any game, but when you have a rest for a couple of days, who would that benefit? Uh, I mean, I don't think the as long as the Bucks come out and you know take care of business and, mm-hmm. and come out focused like they should. I just don't really see a, a lot that the Bulls can do about it. Um, so I mean, maybe you're, you're the Bulls. You're hoping that. The Bucks are going to, you know, rest on those two games that they played well, uh, you know, rest on their laurels a little bit and not come out and play hard in game five. Um, but I, I just don't think that's going to be the case. So if it's mm-hmm. possible, maybe the Bulls could. The Bulls are going to have the sense of urgency. They're going to be obsessing for the next 48 hours about, you know, how you put together a game plan that could actually slow down the Bucks because mm-hmm. you didn't have one over the weekend. So maybe it's the Bulls, but I, I, I just don't see it. Like, I, I think. I think the Bulls. I think the Bulls gave the Bucks the wake up call that they needed by winning Game Two, and now I think the Bucks are going to roll. Oh, okay. Because that's how I think they had. That's how they lost Game Two because they couldn't see it, as, as we all see yep. that. But I got to move to who some you, Eric. You know how I feel about the head coach. I mean, I don't even need to say his name. To me, you know, losing Middleton, a lot of people thought this series would change, and when and everybody's a fan of a guy when he's doing well, you know. Because when they signed the young man who scored 20-something off the bench and people don't like him, whatever, Bucks fans didn't like it. But now he hit six or seven from three and get 22 points. You know, they're grace and grace. I said, I remember you guys did not like him. So he's just like Caruso. People in Chicago probably didn't like him. I'm a Laker fan. So when he was with the Lakers, I liked him. But the consistency of... These having to be in a rivalry because Demar Derozan, I feel a type of way because he could have been with my Lakers, but it, they picked. Well, that's on LeBron, but Levine, they have guys that can score. It's just defending Giannis. To me, uh, Donovan have not figured out a way to put up the wall because that's what Nick Nurse did when he was up in, in Toronto. So if they're not going to do that and you that kind of space, then yeah, I think the Bucks would win. Yeah, I mean, I I think. The tough part when we get to the playoffs is, you know, everybody wants to blame a coach. Like, you know, we're seeing yeah, it yeah, in Brooklyn yeah. right now with, with Steve Nash and everyone saying, oh, well, why don't you do this or do that? And, well, you got to have players to do that. And if you look at the Nets roster, you know, once it gets past the third and the fourth spot on the roster, it gets pretty rough. Those dudes aren't really NBA players. Some might even argue once you get past the top two spots, you're not seeing NBA players on the roster. With the Bulls, they got four dudes. They got four dudes that I think would be in NBA rotations around the league. And, and after you get past that, it gets really rough. And, you know, when you're trying to build a wall, when you're trying to put together a competent defensive scheme, you need dudes that can execute it. It doesn't matter how smart it is, how ingenious the trapping is, uh, how creative the double teams are. None of that stuff matters if you don't have the dude. And I, I think that's one thing that, Bucks fans have kind of learned mm-hmm. over the years is, you know, if you have good coaches, bad coaches, it doesn't matter if you don't have the dudes. And now the Bucks have the dudes. And you can maybe at times people are going to criticize Boonholzer and he doesn't do enough and he's not mm-hmm. smart enough and all these things. Uh, but in the end, he can figure out some of the adjustments because he's got a lot of dudes on the team and he's got a lot of talent on his roster. And the Bulls just don't have that right now. So, yeah, I mean, 
I, I don't know what you can dream up in the next 48 hours, but I just don't see a way that the Bulls have the talent to get, to, to first of all, get one game, but on top of it, to get three games to, to make this thing a series and, and win the thing. It's on with Eric Name of The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Name as he joins us here on the Wendy's Name. Big Show. Uh, as far as Chris Milton goes, they says a couple weeks, uh, and then they'll reevaluate. I've heard him talk. It seems like he thinks he's going to be back in a couple of weeks. So what does that mean as far as how much of that Boston series would he miss? Yeah, I mean, I think it's really tough because, you know, those muscle injuries, you can only have a, a general timeline. You, you can't know how it's going to react until you do until you get in it. And and I think as far as that Celtics series goes, um, I, I mean, I think you're going to be looking at Middleton at least missing the first two. Uh, and, and then after that, who knows? Like, when that reevaluation happens, you know, I, I think there's the thought that, okay, well, we're, we're going to reevaluate in two weeks, and then you're going to have a consistent timeline. When I asked Chris Middleton about it, when we talked to him on Saturday at the United Center, uh, or excuse me, Friday at the United Center, it was like, okay, well, you know, when they reevaluate me in two weeks, I think around that time, that feels like a time I'll be like ready to go and get back on the court. Okay, well, you get back on the court. Does getting back on the court mean I'm back on the court and I'm ready to go? Or does it, I'm back on the court, mean I need to go through three-on-three and then five-on-five or zero-on-one or or whatever it may be. Like, this process is always going to be, uh, you know, unique to every single circumstance. You don't know how a body will will respond. So, you know, Giannis has a crazy injury, uh, and he ends up being able to come back for the NBA Finals. Maybe it's a situation like that. Maybe it's a situation where... You know, Chris is doing his rehab every single day. Everything goes ahead of schedule, and then all of a sudden he's back for the Celtics series. That seems unlikely. But, again, it was unlikely that Giannis was going to play in the NBA Finals. So there's all these things where every single situation is unique. You don't know how people are going to respond to their rehab and respond to just kind of the entire process. So, um, I, I mean, I think – you should expect Chris Middleton not to be ready for the start of the Celtics series, but maybe things go well, or maybe things go poorly and he's out for the whole series. Like, I just don't think there's, there's really any way to know at this point, um, you know, with any level of confidence, what to expect from this injury from Chris Middleton, which is why, you know, you get through these two weeks, you, you hit the reevaluation period, and then, and then you see where it's at. Well, that, that explains a lot. So we, I guess we just don't know. We have to wait and see. Um, and I think moving forward from that, then, if you, if you don't have him, I still think, you know, the play of, of Grayson Ellis, I still think if you look at Bobby Porters, I, I think those two guys become uh, very important in what they're trying to get done to win these games. Yeah, I mean, I think you you go back to the first Eastern Conference Finals round for the Bucks under Budenholzer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think Drew Holiday – now is as talented as Chris Middleton was then. And then, you know, you look at that third spot, whereas Eric Bledsoe, his play was up and down. Right. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's comparable here. So is it the, you know, the superhero version of this team that the Bucks had last year, where you have the big three kind of doing all their things. And yeah, Giannis missed some time and, you know, they had some different injuries and stuff like that. But like, you know, for the most part, they had the big three guys that led them all the way to the championship can you make a whole championship run without the big three? Probably not. Like you, you're going to need them back, but can you get through a round? Can you get through a round and a half without them? Okay. Maybe that is a a bit more realistic. Maybe you can get creative enough around the edges. Maybe Grayson Allen can get on a hot streak for long enough or Bobby Portis or Brooke Lopez or whatever it may be. Like, I do think, like you said, Grayson is going to be important. I think, in every game, you're going to have your two main scorers in Giannis and Drew, and then you need one more guy to be the third guy. We've seen Grayson Allen do it, obviously, in back-to-back games. Uh, in game one, you saw Brooke Lopez do it. Uh, you know, in games three and games four, Bobby Portis has been solid as well. I think he has the ability to, to go out and have 20, 25, 30-point nights. He, he can fill it up in that way. Uh, and then, you know, like Pat Thompson had a bunch of big shots in the postseason last year, we, he's been a little bit more quiet. Uh, Grayson's been the one hitting up a, a bunch of those open threes right now, but 
you know, maybe Pat can get hot as well. So every night you're going to have, you're going to have Giannis, you're going to have Drew, and then you need that third guy to step up to give the Bucks enough offense. And then they got to be good on defense. And that's going to be the real test because all year long, the entire organization was beyond annoyed of me asking about the defense <laughs> and why it stinks every single day for the final month of the season. And it's been good in the, in this series against the Bulls. And it'll be, that'll be the big question going in the next series. Can it be good enough going up against likely Jason Tatum and the Celtics, maybe Kevin Durant and the Nets? No, 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 there's no, no, there's no maybe about the Nets. They're done. It's not done yet. It's not done yet. I won't say it's done. I'm just saying. You don't have to say it's defensively. Yeah, you don't have to say it. I'm saying it. Yeah, AR game doesn't have to say it. No, and that's what done. Yeah, in game, game four tonight, it probably ends tonight. Doesn't look like there's any fight left in the Nets. I guess they could shock the world and show up and play hard, but we'll see. Uh, that was uh, our guy Eric Name. Follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Name from The Athletic. Earlier today on the Wendy's Big Show, also had Sidney Moncrief on Bucks Hall of Fame guard. Up next, uh, we will talk with Toby Altizer in for Rami Makhlouf today from 3 to 6 on The Rami Show right here on 1250 AM, The Fan. Sparky's Midday Madness. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented to you by the Milwaukee Admirals on 1250 AM. The Fan live from the Lakeland University Studios offering evening and online master's programs. Learn more at lakeland.edu slash get started. Steve Sparky, Fiverr, Toby Altas are joining me now as he fails in for Rami Makhlouf tonight, who is off because he has an evening show to host on 670 The Score uh, in Chicago. All right, Mr. Toby Altizer, wearing your Washington Nationals cap. I'll give it to you. Still wearing that crap, even though they're not very good. Oh, they're terrible. And I wanted to set you straight on one thing. Oh. We, I, I heard you driving in. You were talking about the receivers and Debo. Yeah. I think there's a difference between wanting out from a team and wanting a new contract. No. No, no, no. Debo Samuel, according to Ian Rapport last week, would not even entertain contract negotiations no, with no. the Niners when they tried to offer him a deal. Yeah, so I, I think with Debo, he wants out. Correct. Those other guys that are mentioned, they just want a new deal. But from my understanding, Debo's agent, Terry McLaurin, and A.J. Brown are all represented by the same dude. That's not good. Oh, I'm sure they're giving That's them That's not good for anybody. Oh, no. I'm sure they're giving the front office something in the year, like, come on, pay our guys. But I think Debo's situation is a little different than the other guys. Maybe it just truly is that maybe they do want out, but they just haven't expressed it like Debo. You have the connection. You should get Terry McLaurin on and, and let him come on and tell everybody he wants to play for the Packers. He's done with Washington. I think that would be good for your career. No, I don't think, I it, think would it would be. I don't think it would be. I think it would be great for your career, no, Toby. No, no. He's staying in Washington. <laughs> He's staying in Washington. I mean, it's just not going to happen. All right, what do you got coming up on your show? All right, we're going to start the show talking about the Bucks. Is the Bucks team we saw in Chicago going to be good enough to beat the Celtics? Because I think what we saw in Chicago was a, a Bucks team that we kind of expected to see this entire series, they finally get it going in game three and four, but can they do it without Chris Middleton? I think I, that's going to be interesting to see. I think it just comes down to Grayson Allen, can he give you double figures every night? He don't have to give you 20. 
he can give you a 15, something like that every night. Yeah. And then will they tell Giannis, go stop Jason Tatum? Or will they play games like the Nets are and not having Durant on him every single play? I mean, I love Claxton. I think he's a good player. But he can't stop Jason no. Tatum. That's ridiculous. Looks stupid. No, I mean, they're going to have to go out there and they're going to realize that that's the toughest series they're going to face. You know, you can look ahead. Oh, or I don't know, Miami, man. That, I don't no, know. Celtics, in my uh, opinion, are going to be the toughest know, team man. that they're going to have to face yeah. in their run. So we'll talk about that. Last night's game, obviously, you got to talk about the umpiring and what's wrong with Angel it. Angel Hernandez. Angel Hernandez is a problem. So I want to look at some of the thoughts on that. And maybe do you did that change your opinion on robot umpires? Because I think it might have changed mine a little bit Ooh. last night. Uh, 4.30, Tim Allen will join the show, so I'll get him riled up. Brewers lineup got announced, so I got something that uh, will rile him up about the Brewers lineup today coming up 4.30. 5.30, Ty Windish, Eurostep podcast, a little more Bucks talk, and we'll play the Goody Presser at some point in the show. You got to get to that. Exactly when. I, I can't wait to hear that because that was going on right there. Is it still going on? I think it's going yeah, on it's right still now. going on right now. Yeah, you got to get that on the air. I want to hear that myself. Um, because, again, is he going to say anything earth-shattering? Yeah, maybe not. But John Lynch got peppered with questions about Debo Samuel and his. That was, what, 1 o'clock hour or whatever, mm-hmm. beginning 2 o'clock hour. So he got peppered there. So now with Goody, it'll be fun to see now how how aggressive everybody gets well, as far I, I as he goes. I saw one thing that someone was tweeting, I think it was Peter Bukowski, saying that Goody was talking about possibly putting feelers out there about trading up. There's a pick I think the pack, or the Packers need to trade up to if they want to get a guy like Olave. Jordan Davis. So <laughs> that would I set the Packers world on fire. Jordan Davis. I've wanted Jordan Davis for two months. I still want Jordan Davis. If we're going up, fine. Go up and get Jordan Davis. Take I, a receiver in the next round. That no would problem. be crazy to have him next to Kenny Clark. <sighs> I'm telling you. It would be amazing. Him, Kenny Clark, and Lowry or whatever, and rotate in Jaron Reed and whoever else you want to rotate in, that's fine. Like, that dude's just a beast, man. Then, you know, Devondre Campbell would be the happiest person in the world. Yeah, I mean, he's just, he probably is the most physically gifted player in the draft at his size to move as well as he can. Right. And he's just going to stuff the run without even having to try. Right. Just because of how big he is. And again, the the argument is do you take somebody that high that it's not going to rush the passer consistently? Well, Kenny Smith, or Kenny Smith, Kenny Clark gets you, what, six sacks a year? So if he gets six sacks a year and you get six sacks out of Kenny Clark, let's say you get six out of Dean Lowry, they're not even supposed to get to the quarterback. That's 18 sacks from your front three. And now add in what Rashawn Gary's going to get you, what Preston Smith's going to get you. I don't know. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.